Good morning. Welcome to Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church today for worship. Today in the second Sunday of Advent, we see John the Baptist um, fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 40 as the forerunner going before Jesus to prepare the way for the Lord. Our opening service begins at the bottom of the inside front cover with our Advent gathering rite. Please rise. Come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. confess our sins to God our Father, asking Him, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to grant us forgiveness. Lord of life, I confess that I am by nature dead in sin, for faithless worry and selfish pride, for thoughtless sin and willful sin, for the evil I have done, as well as the good I have failed to do. You should cast me away from your presence forever. O Lord, I am sorry for my sins. Forgive me for Jesus' sake. Jesus, 
John the Baptist prepared the way of the Lord. We hear his call to repent. We light two Advent candles as a sign of our repentance and desire for renewal. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Through your word and spirit, may our souls be blessed. reading from Isaiah chapter 40, the first 11 verses. We see the promise of forgiveness and a forerunner and future glory. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem and call out to her. Her warfare really is over. Her guilt is fully paid for. Yes, she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is calling out. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. In the wasteland, make a level highway for our God. Every valley will be raised up, and every mountain and hill will be made low. The rugged ground will become level, and the rough places will become a plain. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh together will see it. Yes, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice was saying, Cry out! And I said, What shall I cry out? All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like a wild flower in the countryside. Grass withers, flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on them. Yes, the people are grass. Grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. Get up on a high mountain, O Zion, you herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, you herald of good news. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Look. God the Lord will come with strength, and his arm is ruling for him. Look, his reward is with him. The result of his work is in front of him. Like a shepherd, he will care for his flock. With his arm he will gather the lambs, he will lift them up on his lap, he will gently lead the nursing mothers. This is the word of our God. We continue with our song for today as printed on the next page in your service folder.
our second lesson from 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. Godly living in preparation for the unexpected day. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. For the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow to do what he promised, as some consider slowness. Instead, he is patient for your sakes, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a roar, the elements will be dissolved as they burn with great heat, and the earth and what was done on it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be, living in holiness and godliness, as you look forward to and hasten the coming of the day of God? That day will cause the heavens to be set on fire and destroyed, and the elements to melt as they burn with great heat. But according to his promise, we look forward to new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, dear friends, as you look forward to these things, make every effort to be found in peace, spotless and blameless in his sight. This is the word of our God. Our children are invited forward for a brief children's message. Actually, a save the date magnet from August 2016, if that rings a bell for anyone. Uh, save the date magnet to say there's going to be this big party coming. Right? And as a church, when we prepare for big events, we do things like that too. We send out cards like this. You see this in your bulletin today. And it's got a little bit about what's coming up at Christmas time. We do something like this that tells all the things that we're planning over the next month or so. And we even even get announcements in the paper that gets delivered. All to say, get ready because there's this big, big happy day coming. Well, the happy day that we're going to talk about in just a minute is um, John the Baptist shows up on the scene and he says, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And he prepares the way for the Lord. But what we'll talk about a little bit in our sermon is that Jesus is going to be coming at the end of time. So how do we get ready for him? He's given us the invitation. You were invited to come to faith in him when he brought you to faith in baptism and in his word. And actually right here in your bulletin today is how God makes you ready. We read like this. Um, I confess that I am by nature dead in sin. I am sorry for my sins. Forgive me for Jesus' sake. And so God says to us, that's where Pastor turns around and says, it's just as certain as if Jesus himself were standing there. Your sins are forgiven. So when God announces that there's a big event coming, 
talking about the end of the world, you don't have anything to be afraid of. Because Jesus has washed away your sin, and God has told you about it. He's told you about it in such a way that you can't miss it today, and you'll be ready for when Jesus comes back at the end of time. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for sending John the Baptist to prepare the way ahead of you. Thank you also for continuing to send messengers to prepare the way for your second coming. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You can return to your seats. Our theme verse is printed for you there. Alleluia. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. All mankind will see God's salvation. Alleluia. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading from Mark chapter 1, the prophesied forerunner arrives exactly as God had said. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is how it is written in the prophet Isaiah. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare the way for you. A voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. John was clothed in camel's hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. He preached, One more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the Gospel of our Lord Jesus. I invite you to turn to page 19 for our Confession of Faith, the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated for our next hymn.
Keller reading. We consider especially our Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 40. Is anything impossible for God? Is anything impossible for God? The angel Gabriel says to Zechariah, standing there in the Holy of Holies or before the curtain and the temple of in, in the altar of incense. Is anything impossible for God? The angel says, as the angel tells them, tells him that he and his wife are going to have a child. Fifteen years after he started drawing Social Security. Is anything impossible for God? That sort of question might come to your mind time and again, whether in large circumstances or small, perhaps on the large scale. Will God actually really preserve his church until the end of time? Will God maintain some semblance of peace in this world and hold on to his elect and take them out of this veil of tears to life eternal with him? Is anything impossible for God? And sometimes, sometimes the feeling and the thought is me. Is anything impossible for God? The accusation from the unbeliever. Well, if you really say God can do anything, what about fill in the blank? And any variation on the accusations and the way that people might try to ridicule the Christian faith as though God is somehow either unable to address a pain or a hurt or a situation or circumstance or at least if he is able, he's unloving. And he doesn't care enough to provide in that specific circumstance. Is anything impossible for God? Well, the answer, of course, is yes. God cannot do anything that is not in line with who he is. That is to say, God is completely holy and perfect, and therefore, God cannot sin, as an example. Is anything impossible for God? The people of Israel at Isaiah's time, the people of Israel at Isaiah's time thought, well, maybe. Maybe. We've been, at least this small segment of God's people, have been holding on to God's truth and what had God promised to do and eventually done? He had wiped out his nation. He had taken them into captivity and made them sit there in a 70-year timeout to teach them. To teach them that worshiping the true God is the only thing that lasts. The only thing that is worth it. And they began to wonder, is anything impossible for God? It looks like it looks like our nation has been destroyed and the people dispersed and all we have is the tiniest little remnant, one hair out of out of an entire head of hair, using the imagery from the prophet Ezekiel. How could God bring his son into the world? Because it looked impossible. And so God, knowing all things, God chooses to communicate his truth to his people. Because, I mean, you and I know this from, from common experience. 
If I'm thinking something or feeling something, I don't have a, a head made of glass. You can't read my thoughts, and I can't read your thoughts, but if I tell you, then you know. And if you're, you're married, you especially see how this plays out on a, on a daily basis. That communication between two people takes actually speaking so that we know what the other is thinking. Perhaps, eventually, after a number of years, you kind of read each other's minds. But the premise is still the same. If we want to make something known, we need to say it. And so that's what God does. God says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Take comfort. And he's speaking to this prophet to say, speak words of comfort to them. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem and call out to her. Her warfare really is over. Her guilt is fully paid for, and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Yeah, that's a good start. The promise. The promise that, yes, nothing is impossible for God. The promise that, yes, God promises comfort for His people. For the people who had, the people who had rebelled against Him, God promises to both remove their sin and to give them His holiness and His righteousness. So God did the impossible. God promised the impossible. God promised the impossible of bringing sinful people into his presence. But how? How? God says, wait. God says to his people, wait. And the people who sit there waiting and wondering thinking to themselves, maybe, maybe God won't. And maybe God can't. And the answer to all that was the voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. John the Baptist came preaching and baptizing for the forgiveness of sins. To all those wonderings and worryings of will God and can God, God answered, with the promise of, I will, and I did. But for me today, we see our reflection in the words of Isaiah. It almost reads like a proverbial statement, the, the poetry that we have before us. The voice was saying, cry out, and what shall I cry out? All flesh is like grass, and all its beauty is like a wild flower in the countryside. Grass withers, flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows <coughs> on them. The question before us still today Can God do impossible? Is anything impossible for God? Because we stand in a very similar spot to those Old Testament Israelites, wondering. We've got the promise of God. We've seen some of its fulfillment. But the temptation, the temptation is still the same, that somehow either God didn't, but he did in Jesus Christ. But maybe in the second stage of that temptation, God, God can't. God cannot come to us today. Or if that one fails. The third stage is the temptation that God won't. And to all of that, Isaiah sweeps it aside with the divine origin and the purpose 
of Zion's messengers, the purpose and divine origin. You see, God gave his messengers to prepare people for the Lord and to reiterate to them the promise that he would come and that he did come and that he will come and the divine origin the purpose is right here before us get up on a high mountain O Zion you herald of good news lift up your voice with strength O Jerusalem lift it up say to the cities of Judah here is your God because what we have right here is a very compressed timeline of events from the day of Isaiah's pen scratching on the parchment to the day of Christ's return at the end of time. And Isaiah says to you and to me that God was trustworthy at the past. God gave his son exactly as he said. He sent the forerunner, and then the glory of the Lord was revealed. Jesus Christ, crucified and raised. Jesus Christ ascended into heaven with all things under his feet. Jesus Christ will come again. And what does God do? God tells his church to say it, to preach it, to speak it, to reiterate to all people the truth that their sin has been paid for and washed away, that God has prepared for himself people who will live in eternity, even though, even though all flesh is like grass and all their glory withers like a wildflower that passes away in the field. God says, dear friend, your sin has been paid for. It has been washed away. You've been given the righteousness of Christ. And there is the glory of God. The glory of God in doing the impossible. The glory of God in preparing people for eternity. People who share the same flesh as, as Adam and Eve. People whose bodies will one day turn back to dust and ash. At the same time, at the same time, God promises that He will do and has done the impossible. And that He will do the impossible in the future because He did the impossible in the past and He still does the impossible today. Now what in the world we mean. Isaiah describes it in verse 10. Look, God the Lord will come with strength, and his arm is ruling for him. Look, his reward is with him, the result of his work is in front of him like a shepherd, he will care for his flock. That's the promise for you and me to hold on to today about what Jesus will do tomorrow. It's really a look ahead to the end of time that God himself, Jesus Christ, will bring with himself from heaven all those who have fallen asleep in him. He will bring his reward and the result of his work in front of him when he returns on the clouds of heaven. The result of his work, that is to say, people who are enjoying the perfection of heaven right now, People who could not and did not get there by their own efforts because all flesh and all fleshly efforts are like grass. It withers and passes away. But our God, who does the impossible, says, I will do it again. You see, you and I are living right between, right between these verses. Right between verse 5 and verse 10. 
And really, we're living in verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. Zion, the spiritual city of God. You and me. The people that God has called to and made his own, the people that God has spoken to and gathered to be his flock. Spiritual Jerusalem, the city of God. And we've been given the same sort of message and messengers that God gave in the prophet John the Baptist, that God gave in Isaiah, that God still gives today. You see, in these words, God is promising. God is promising that when pastor announces from the front of church, your sin is forgiven because Jesus lived and died in robes. That's just the same as if Christ Jesus himself were standing here, raising his, his nail-pierced hands and saying, Dear child, your sin is forgiven. And that when he speaks to you and to me in verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, he says, Dear child, dear friend, I continue to do the impossible. Where God did the impossible in the past by sending his son and washing away the sin of people who rightly deserve death. God did the impossible by taking their sin upon himself and impossibly dying. And God promises to do the impossible by coming back to take his people to be with him forever in heaven. And by promising, even on top of that, that right now he is guiding and shepherding his flock there in heaven, just as now he guides and shepherds his flock invisibly through his word and through his messengers here on earth. And we're right in between. And maybe this is one of those, one of those topics that pastors don't preach on enough, or think of it properly, they probably should. That the divine origin and purpose of Zion's proclamation is found in the Word. And God blesses His people by giving people to proclaim that Word. If you just look at Isaiah chapter 40 here, we've got all these verbs that talk about speaking and telling and repeating. The Word of God needs to be spoken, and yes, you can do that too. I mean, we're talking publicly and privately, of course. But God, in His grace, has called me to be your pastor, and He's used you to call me here. And God, in His grace, has entrusted to you and to me, both of us together, the means of grace, that is, the message of your salvation, the message of your forgiveness in Jesus Christ, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And we share them together. God's given me, through you, He's given me the responsibility of using them on your behalf, but they also belong to you fleshly people, all of us. All of us who will one day wither like grass, even though also one day we will stand before our shepherd in eternity. And living in uh, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9 world, look at what he says. Do not be afraid. Verse 9. He repeats himself again and again. Get up on a high mountain so that no one can miss it. Lift up your voice, O Judah, O Jerusalem, you herald of good news. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Maybe that's the last little hitch in Gideon, or the last little pickup in this reading. Because we've got a God who does the impossible. 
And the God who does the impossible says to you and to me, you've got this word of God. Speak it. And in case you missed it, he says, speak it again. And in case you missed it, he says, go up on a tall mountain where everybody can see you and you can shout at the top of your lungs and speak it. And he even encourages you and me by saying, do not be afraid. I would say that at this point in our, in our um, country's history, it's probably one of, the most, one of the times that most needs a clear Christian confession of faith. That is to say, we know what we believe, but why do we believe it? We know what we believe, we know all the, the catechism passages that prove it and hold it all together. But what does this mean for our life today and tomorrow? Well, Peter kind of explains the, what does this mean for our life today? Live your lives with godliness and reverent fear as we hasten the coming of the day of the Lord. That is to say that God wants to use your words and your invitations to bring his elect together that much sooner. So that the day of judgment, which God has had in mind since before he began time, the day of judgment will come sooner. That sounds impossible and almost preposterous. Well, yeah. But the God who does the impossible promises to work through the proclamation of spiritual Zion, spiritual Jerusalem. And he says, dear friends, do not be afraid. So where do we stand? We stand under the loving hand of a gracious God who does the impossible. The gracious God who promised to Isaiah that he would do the impossible, and then he did it. He sent his forerunner, and he sent his son to bring glory to himself through bringing forgiveness to sinners. And he has promised that one day soon, that day that will come like a thief, and pray that it happens today or maybe tomorrow, one day soon that day will come. But you and I, living in between. Living in between who, who know the proclamation of our Lord, who have the word of God entrusted into your hands, and thank God for his grace that he's brought all of us up in a church body that values the word of God and its truth and purity from cover to cover, as it really is the word of God. He has entrusted this to you me and to us. And he says, dear Christian, speak. Don't be afraid. And if if you need a little bit of assistance, well come to Bible class and we'll talk about it some more. Or shoot me an email and or look in your bulletin. We've got an invitation for Christmas right there. That might be an easy first step to continue to speak and to not be afraid of what others might think or what others might say, but to say, your God reigns. We'll come again. And when that day happens, you and I will see with full sight, with our very own eyes raised up from the dust, the divine purpose of God's proclamation will have been accomplished. As God 
gathers his people together, as a shepherd gathers his sheep around him. And you got to picture this. You standing right there, looking around, and seeing the face of one or two or even three others that you had the privilege of telling about Jesus. Dear friends, do not be afraid, because our God does the impossible. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I invite you to turn to page 20 where you will find the created me. I invite you to turn to page 123 for our responsive prayer of the church for Advent. Please rise. We pray. 
Eternal Father, throughout the centuries, you repeated and affirmed your promise to send the offspring of the woman to crush the serpent's head. Through your prophets of old, you continually directed the eyes of your people to the advent of their Savior. We praise you, O Lord, for keeping your promise and sending your Son to destroy the works of the devil. As we prepare to celebrate the birth of our King, use your mighty word to shatter our pride and to rouse us from spiritual slumber and apathy. Move us to take our heart of God, and for the kingdom of heaven is near. You sent your Son to redeem us from sin. Let this good news be our joy and strength. Use it to cheer the lonely, encourage the fearful, and give hope to the despairing. In these days before Christmas, spare us from the stress of deadlines and the frenzy of commercialism. Fill our lives with the message of your peace and the music of your grace. Direct our eyes not only to the manger, but also to the skies, where we will see your Son coming again, not as a lowly child, but as the Lord of Lords. Lift up our hearts in joyful anticipation of that day. And dear Lord, we ask that you, especially today, watch over Josie's father, who is in the ICU in Mankato. We also ask for your comfort at the passing of Beth Munsterman's father, Thorvald, and at the passing of Dan Gronewald's father as well. Now hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, in your grace, in your power, and in your glory. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. And we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The light is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 14.
please rise for our closing prayer. Almighty God, grant to your church the Holy Spirit and the wisdom that comes from above. Let nothing hinder your word from being freely proclaimed to the joy and edifying of Christ's holy people, so that we may serve you in steadfast faith and confess your name as long as we live. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. You'll notice that this hymn is the longest hymn in the hymnal. Uh, We're going to sing verse 1, verse 12, and then verse 3. 